Well, good evening and good morning, EPL State of Mind listeners. Uh, welcome back to season number two of the podcast. Uh, Sean and I had a little bit of a, I guess, a um, 0.5 episode, as we called it yesterday, and we published that last night as well, which was which was a great time that we had kind of going over the first eight clubs of the new season, what their summer currently status is for transfers, and where we project them doing kind of throughout the next year. But we have all three amigos today. We got Sean, who's kind of hosting it right now. Uh, I was about 30 minutes late because of some technical difficulties. It turns out it's me. I'm the problem. It's me for all you Swifty heads out there. And then Kyle is back on the mic with us today, too. Thank you so much. So first of all, let me hear the Swifty comments from you guys. And then Kyle, how are you feeling being back in the EPL state of mind for season number two? Oh, guys, I cannot wait. It's, you know, we tried to get an episode out last week. It just didn't work. The stars didn't align. And Sean and James, nice enough to do an episode spontaneously on Sunday for us. I hope you guys enjoyed that one. It's a great episode if you guys didn't give a listen. But I am very optimistic about this season for all of our teams, to be honest. I mean, great starts for everyone. Sean's Liverpool just had a tougher start, if we're being honest. But we, we're going forth. It's going to be a great ride. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And Sean, you gave us your spiel at the 0.5 episode. So I know we're all excited to get back into the regularly scheduled program, which, as noted before, will come out Mondays and Tuesday nights. So always give us that listen, give us that follow. And of course, we love everyone's feedback and communication. So anything you guys feed us will pop here on the podcast, too. But for the basics of the regular program, we're going to get into our hot news which obviously there's a ton of stuff that happened over the last two weeks since we didn't have it week one, which is the return of the EPL. And with that always comes a little bit of extra drama and something that's kind of been on the forefront of this drama for the past season. And primarily this week is the return or not in return, I should say rather of Mason Greenwood. So obviously this is an Academy product of Mason Greenwood through the system of man. U. he was under a microscope with some, um, a domestic abuse issues with his girlfriend at the time, now fiance, who was also pregnant, asterisk there. And we'll see kind of the development of what Manu's thought process was. It seemed like he was going to return to the squad after his charges were in fact dropped by his girlfriend at the time and therefore never was really proven innocent or guilty in the, in the actual physical realm of the of the court right I, I get that right i believe they they never actually brought it to court so the charges were dropped so that kind of put man U into a very difficult position where maybe he's not innocent still in the eyes of the the public so a lot of people were outspoken about really disapproving man U's possible even consideration of bringing someone back into the club with this type of cloud around them so long story short Man United did decide to release Mason Greenwood from their program, and he is now out, possibly searching for Saudi Arabia to come pick him up. Who knows? But obviously, I think this is a great move for Man United. They obviously dealt well without him last season. Bringing someone into this is just un, unrequired and unneeded additional attraction. We kind of saw what it did to the team with Cristiano Ronaldo was there, and he didn't do anything of this natu- nature. So I think bringing Mason Greenwood into the situation would have been a massive bomb in their possibly very early developments here into the season of 2023, 2024. Sean, Kyle, what are your, what are your guys think? Man, could you be a, could you imagine being 21 years old 
after not playing for almost a full year and then just waiting to get picked up by the Saudis for an absolute fuck yeah, ton of money. Yeah, if they pick him up, you know, I say it kind of half-heartedly. Like that, I mean, it's a huge if, but like that's unbelievable. Who could have ever seen that coming? Uh, I think what happened was absolutely wrong. Listen, Greenwood does not, whether or not he did what he did, he does not deserve to be playing for a team like Manchester United. There has been videos released. There have been pictures released. It's a shitty fucking thing that he'd done. Whether or not it was proven, those are my two cents on it. So, you know what? We'll see what happens from here on in. But from what I've been told, there's there's where I stand. Yeah, no, I'm, I back everything Kyle said. Pretty despicable what he's been accused of and, and what's been released on the internet. So, you know, Man United did, does the bare minimum here. I, I just don't think you could bring him back this and represent probably the most famous club in, in England. So, yeah. didn't like that at all. Uh, and, and, you know, yep. deservedly gone. Absolutely. Well, on a brighter side of the hot news, because we don't want to dwell too much on something that doesn't deserve so much airtime, is the Women's World Cup. We have seen one of the most exciting finales in the Men's World Cup last year, and it was almost equally as matched with the women's. It wasn't as high scoring, but it was definitely close to the bone. So it was obviously the Lionesses versus Spain, uh, England really searching and hoping for an international trophy of the World Cup, but it looks like it is going to wait for them for another year. Another four years, I'm sorry. Another tournament. So the Lionesses did lose to Spain 1-0. And it's the really the, the, the sad and the interesting part of this hot news is that the I believe the captain uh, of the actual Spanish national team left back, Olga Carmona, she scored the game winner in the first half with a great bottom corner tidy finish. But later that day, also found out that her father had passed away before the match. And she learned this afterwards. So she sent out something, say that she already had a star in the sky for her. And uh, our thoughts and prayers out to her family in this time. And hopefully that she'll be able to celebrate quite an achievement with her father someday. So a bit of hot news there with that. Sad, but with a bit of a happy twist for the Spanish team and Olga. So next we have Manchester United signed Jeremy uh, Duku from Reigns. So, Sean, City. you want to take this guy? Yeah, Man, Man City uh, signed him. He's basically going to serve as the Mahrez replacement, um, signed for £55 million from Rennes in uh, Ligue 1. He's basically best known for his dribbling ability. He finished third in all of Europe last year in dribbles completed. The only guys with better percentages in terms of dribbles, Messi, Vinicius. Uh, it's a pretty good company if you ask me. He's got pace. He's got flair. I think the final thing for him is just the, that end product and scoring more goals. He had six goals and two assists last season. But, you know, going into a city team with great players around him, you wouldn't be shocked if he scored more this, this season. Um, and, and obviously, you know, under the tutelage of Pep, should be one of the most exciting players in the league for years to come at, at only 21. So um, a guy who's been on my radar for a while, uh, he's was played played in Belgium, came up and was a bright bright star there, and then moved to Rennes three years ago. and has been one of the you know the hottest winger prospects in the world. So a big big win for City. Um, obviously losing Mares, but you know replacing him with a, a really promising young player. You know this will definitely help with the depth issue. I think they have on the middle to top half of the pitch, especially with Kevin De Bruyne now currently out for a minimum of probably what looks like to be four months. So we'll see what will develop in that and that young development through the Man City program. But yeah, dude, I think that we can kind of sucks. Talk about- that, I, I'm <laughs> sorry to cut you off, but we cannot just over-gloss Kevin De Bruyne being out for four months. 
I mean, <laughs> how fair enough. That is a fucking dagger to the to the heart right there. He is the heart and soul of the team. He's, in my opinion, the best passer on earth right now, with the exception of maybe a few. And I mean, it didn't even look like that bad of an injury. Four months. Well, he, yeah. I mean, anything Four with with a muscle months. injury is going to be tough. I know, but like that—that's the type of stuff you hear for like. I, I don't want to say ACL because that's like a year, but that is that is way worse than a pulled hammy. Let me tell you, which is I'm not going to lie to you. I watched the game when he hobbled off. I was thinking, all right, no worries. Take a couple of days, take a couple of weeks. We'll win the games when you're gone. You'll be back by week four. That is not the case. God damn it. Yeah, no, it sucks. Sucks for City, but uh, obviously it's a, still a great squad. And as, I feel like as long as you have one of Holland or De Bruyne, you're still the favorite to win the league. You know, if both of them were to go down for a long stretch of time, yeah, maybe I that agree. Would change, but you have the best. You have the best manager in the league. You have the best defense in the league. You have the best striker in the league, and none of that changes without uh, without KDB. So, oh, of course, um, it's just it's blow, nice to but, have him. You know, oh, yeah, <laughs> it's Kevin De Bruyne. It. He's he's unbelievable. Um. But speaking of uh, some, something a little bit more believable, uh, Bournemouth signed Tyler Adams, the USMNT captain, for 20 million pounds. He agreed to join Adoni Areola's men after being relegated last year with Leeds. Um, he's currently recovering from a hamstring injury, but when he is on the pitch, he brings leadership, obviously, as, the cl- as his national team captain, and also a tenacious ball winning. I think his issue is really just his passing and uh, you know ability on the ball as a whole, but he definitely deserved to move back in the Premier League. He looked good for Leeds last year, you know when he was fit. But Kyle, you got any takeaways on this one? Listen, man, it's just nice to have more, you know, United States in the Premier League. That that's going to be awesome for us. And going off that, <laughs> it's going to be a lot of experience. That's all it is. It's going to be Premier League experience for the United States captain. That is going to be everything for him. He's going to come back with a mindset that he has better. I don't want to say better experience, but it's going to be the truth against a lot of these young players. And they're going to look up to him and it's going to be a very good thing for the team. I think it's going to bring camaraderie. I just hate that he's on Bournemouth because they're going to get Molly Wap this season. And that's going to be that. <laughs> okay. Well, with that in mind, we can move on to, uh, to the weekend roundup. And I guess the, the, first takeaway that I have just looking at the games this week is that there's five red cards this weekend um, across the games between Friday and Monday, which is pretty wild. You had Alexis McAllister got a straight red card. Uh, Nyefa Gerd on West Ham got two yellows as well as Tommy Yasu today, Tim Ream at Fulham and Matthias Nunes at Wolves all took showers early. So, I mean, is this something you think we're going to expect throughout the season with, you know, with some of the new rules in place, Kyle, or is this just a one-off fluke? Uh, listen, I hope so. I, (laughs) it sounds bad, but I love when people get physical, they are going in for challenges. They're trying to win the game. Red cards are wrong. If the player gets very hurt, if it's a gnarly challenge, if you're trying to take someone out for a wrong reason, but if you're showing heart and you get a second yellow card, that's different. What's nice this week is that out of the five red cards, three of the teams that were down to 10 men won, which is pretty cool. You know, they're showing heart. They're playing physically. I think it was what Liverpool, West Ham and Arsenal all won this week. Yep. And then Fulham and Wolves took, took the L, but I mean, you have 10 men you're expected to take an L at that point. Yeah. But 
you know, it's it's a lot of heart, and it's nice to see early in the season because this is not crunch time. You, there is no need to go for, in for the red card challenge just yet. You're not getting relegated. But that just tells me that every team in the Premier League wants to win right now really badly. And after watching all the red cards, none of them, and I, I will say this, none of them were that terrible. No one was malicious. No one was trying to hurt the other player. It looked a lot to me like heart. And you know what? It's unfortunate there were five reds this week, but as long as the heart continues, I'm all for it. Yeah, no, I'm with you, man. Uh, definitely think most of them. I think the only one, and you mentioned it in, in the notes here, is that the move by by Nunez when the game's pretty much already over, it was in the six minute of stoppage time. And then, you know, he just kind of takes a, a silly foul after, off the ball, you know, after the whistle and, and gets sent off. That one's tough because... Um, you know, this is a team that probably isn't going to be safe. You know, I, I, th- I think they're definitely within one of the teams, the candidates to go down this season. So um, losing him, especially when they're about to go to Goodison Park, uh, you know, a game that they need points from, uh, it's tough. He's one of their best players. So I thought that was just a, a stupid and selfish move by him that uh, that blew up in their face. I absolutely agree with you. And like you said, too, it's a second yellow card. You know, it's not like a malicious challenge. It's just a a loss of, you know, focus. Yeah, exactly. That's a perfect description for it. Yeah, this might just be me. But, I mean, I can't stand these new rules and regulations that the PGMLA or whatever you want to call the the refereeing company put out there. Because I understand the complaining and protecting the referee – but you know how many times now we're going to see, oh, it's a, the ref show. It's the ref show. I mean, today you just look at it with Tomiyasu's double yellow card to a red card. Yeah, Tomiyasu had the ball in his hands for two total seconds before his first yellow card. It was because he got past the ball to throw the ball in. He, no, I think he had the he had the ball physically for like two seconds. The, 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 character, the player beforehand, I think it was Havertz who had it before him. Took longer. Tommy Asu grabs it. As soon as he throws the ball in, he gets a whistle, and it's a yellow card. And then the second yellow card he gets today of a light tackle, it, it sends him off, and we're down to 10 men, and we now he's suspended for two to three games. I think it's a load of bullshit, personally. And then, you know, it's, it's just bringing more power into these refs that sometimes don't get accounted for. They have no accountability yet. VAR, all that stuff, they'll get suspended for the next match or something like that. What else, man? These kids... These players are losing matches two to three times because of red cards because it's now going to be the ref show. Well, meanwhile, these refs get a slap on the wrist. They can't VAR or referee the next game. Like, okay, whatever. They get a freaking break. No one wants them on the pitch anyway, so. (laughs) (laughs) All right, James, tell us how you really feel about it. Jeez. But, yeah, the five five red cards was pretty pretty wild, especially for week number two. So I just feel like this is going to bring down the intensity of some of these games. But we'll we'll, we'll see in the future. Well, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but you are allowed to appeal red cards. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, I know a lot of teams didn't appeal last year. I mean, Casemiro, for one, that's the only one that comes to mind right away. They didn't appeal his, which was massive. But they should appeal Tamiyasu, and that should – I mean, I watched the game. That should get overturned if they have any sense of anything because yeah. that was nonsense yeah. today. It is what it is. What do we got next, Sean? Yeah, well, I was just going to say while we're on the subject, do you want to wrap up your thoughts on uh, Arsenal's 1-0 win over Crystal Palace at Selhurst Park today? Besides sure, yeah. uh, your thoughts on the officiating? 
<laughs> I will skip over the officiating because I really don't think it was very good. Uh, but it was an intense game. I mean, Arsenal off to two wins, one of three teams now to have two wins in two games at the start, which is what you want to do, especially with Arsenal now heading to a much tougher run of six games where we'll see Chelsea, we'll see uh, we'll see Man United, we will see, I believe, Man City, we'll see uh, Tottenham. Like those are going to be very tough games. It's nice that it's down early in the season while everyone's still trying to pick up the pieces. But this was a big three points for the Gunners. Um, And I think my highlights for the match are that we we are now into the realm of massive possession, which Arsenal had not been two seasons ago. We alluded to it last season, and we really now have the bulk of the possession where we're dictating the flow of the game. I think today the two shining stars for me – uh, were William Saliba, his performance in the back, the last-minute tackle he had to prevent another shot on target for Crystal Palace, the slide tackle, shows his ability and shows how much he was needed to be healthy at the end of the season last year and how important his re-signing was over the summer. And then Eddie Nketiah coming in to fill Eddie, uh, to Jesus' shoes again, uh, put a lot of effort in up top, a couple shots on target, hit the woodwork once, uh, tried to go cheeky and chip over, uh, the Crystal Palace keeper, and that just went over the bar. But he put in uh, he put in a shift up there. So I think Eddie Nketiah, as long as we can get some more goals out of him, he he could possibly be a good temporary solution until Jesus is back. I don't think he's the solution, but I think he's he's promising. And then you know, Crystal Palace, Crystal Palace yeah, on 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 fair. their behalf, they do look a little bit more dangerous than they did during that stretch of poor form. So Sean, I think your take on you know. Uh, Elise, Eze, uh, or Eze, uh, even up top with uh, um, who was up top for them today? Uh, Ayu, right? Ayu was yep. up top tonight. I think they're looking like they're going to be the Crystal Palace of the past where you can't just write them up as a W. Yeah. So, you know, I think it was a good game for both teams. I think Arsenal got to work on putting it away a little bit earlier. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I think overall, you know, the game was kind of played at the tempo that Palace wanted. They were comfortable seeding possession and, and trying to hit Arsenal on the break and, and, and mm-hmm. ended up not doing that. But, um, yeah, good good win for Arsenal, obviously being able to hold on despite, uh, you know, being down in man for a good stretch of that game. But moving across from, uh, from South London over to East London, have to talk about West Ham's 3-1 victory over Chelsea this weekend. Um, including two James Ward-Prowse assists, the first one off a corner to Nayefa Gerd, um, and then the second one was a beautiful ball over to Mikel Antonio, who absolutely rocketed one into the back of the net to make it 2-0, or sorry, 2-1 rather. Um, and then Moises Caicedo, the British record signing, ends up fouling. <laughs> uh, I think it was Emerson in the box to, to clinch the game. I mean, Kyle, I know you had some thoughts on this one. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough one. You want to say that Chelsea shit the bed. You want to say that Chelsea are done, but it's not the case. You know, Chelsea controlled that goddamn game. They had five more shots. They had three times the possession. I want to say 76% possession. Like, they looked good. They just lacked the clinical striker. And they, they've spent how much money looking for them? They've went through how many names? I want to say seven or eight different strikers have started in the last how many months? But Yeah, it's bad. Once they find him, once they start clicking, I can see this team being disgusting. They're straight up disgusting. Um, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. That being said, West Ham spoke for themselves. They looked fantastic. James Ward-Prowse, masterclass. As always, he had a beautiful assist. Sterling, I will talk about him all day. Whether or not he looked good, which he did, he looks like an idiot just because he sticks his ass out. (laughs) (laughs) Come on now. (laughs) Sterling. I've been waiting. I've been waiting for him to get off Spurs. And I'm sorry, get off City so I could say that for how many years? He what animal does he look like? I don't know. He sticks his ass out five inches. It's preposterous, but you know what? No one can stop him. That man gets paid three hundred thousand more dollars than you weekly. Uh, that you make in a year. So he can do whatever he wants. If he shows up like he did this weekend, he was those he was the he was the player of the match. He was the player of the match. And they did and they lost three one and he was the player of the match. You're hundred percent right. They just couldn't buy a goal, which Sean had brought up multiple times last year and in the point five episode that we programmed last year is that they just where's the where are the goals coming from? That's gonna be their biggest issue. But on the on the subject of money we already talked about Casado, but here's here's a couple stats for him. 37 minutes played, eight times he lost possession. He committed two fouls, one error leading to a shot, and he conceded one penalty. And he was the right now Ugh. the British transfer record. Previously, before him, who was dethroned, Mudrick, who was previously the highest signing, we had Enzo for uh, Enzo. Did we say this already? I, did I miss this? He missed a PK. No, not yet. So, their second highest, so their first highest transfer concedes a PK. Their second highest transfer misses a PK. And then going back to Mikhailo Mudrik, their third highest transfer misses a sitter by pushing it far left. I mean, it was, you talk about $300 million just out the window in one game. You better hope they got it all out on that because if they, those three do not make their money worth it, there's going to be a riot out there at Stanford Bridge. Yeah. I will say, though, Aguirre with a goal and a red card is my favorite player of the weekend. Yeah. I mean, go out there, do your business and get sent off. And that's how it should be. You know what I'm that's, saying? That's fire. That's what we call a Gordie Howe hot hat trick in hockey. It's a goal <laughs> assist in a fight. It's that's kind of like the, this is the uh, defender equivalent for the premier league. So shout out Nyefa Gerd, two yellows and a goal. Um, just before we move on, I wanted to mention. So last year, West Ham had 10 set piece goals. Um, they already obviously had one off the corner this weekend. And with James Ward-Prowse, you can expect that number to increase significantly. Obviously, one of the best to do it. He's just one goal away. We talked touched on this last year, but one goal away from David Beckham in terms of direct free kick goals. So something to keep an eye on. But uh, And, I mean, he basically did all that in, what, two seasons? No, <laughs> what a, few, a few more than that. I think it's like more like four, but yeah. Yeah, but, uh, but I mean, that's awesome. It's impressive. Yeah, he's, he's obviously the I, – I mean – the top guy, the top dog in terms of free kicks in the prem and then probably in the world, arguably. But uh, moving over or up, I should say, to North London, we had a big six clash between Tottenham and Manchester United with Tottenham taking home the three points with a 2 0 win. James, you got any takeaways from post, this? Match? Post a Coglu ball, baby. I mean, they looked. They looked good out there. They did look very good. And I don't know so much if it's Tottenham looked great and man you just look like shit but it's the same se- uh, same results different season right so the same start spurs i believe were lossless through the first six games of the season last year and man you had their worst season their worst start to the season at all it's just absolutely crazy that we're going through the same experience here with supposedly a man united team that had already had their shit put together towards the end of the season so i think it might be 
it might be more of a kind of getting your feet back underneath you situation for Man U. Um, I think it's mainly because you have Rashford playing up top again, and you can tell by his uh, physique, his stature on the field, he doesn't want to be in the center. He wants to be out left, cutting into his right side, causing issues for outside backs. He's not a natural nine, and he doesn't want to be a natural nine. So Man U has to fix that because their best player last season is not playing the, the most lethal position for him. As far as Spurs go, I think they were able to really control 90% of that game with a lot of different momentum and different players out there that, you know, really came in to play post a Coglu ball. So I think it's a, it's a huge W for Spurs. I would hate to see them. And by hate, I mean, I would love to see them pitter out like the beginning of last season too, but, but we'll see any, any technical prowess that you were really wanted to harp on, on this one, Sean. Yeah. I just wanted to highlight uh, Eve Basuma's performance. Excuse me. Um, I thought he was so good, so good this weekend in, in the holding midfield position. Um, did did a great job of kind of just putting out fires throughout the defense and and, st- and scuppering Man United attacks, and then also you know showed some flair going forward. Um, he missed most of last year with an ankle fracture, but I think we saw flashes of the guy that we saw back at Brighton two years ago. Um, and and if he can you know stay at that level, that'll be huge for Tottenham. Um, the other thing I just I, I like the goalie Guglielmo Vicario. They brought him in from Empoli this summer. Uh, earned his first clean sheet with six stops. Kyle, I know you wanted to also highlight Pedro Porro. Do you have anything else you wanted to talk about? Uh, yeah, I mean, him, basically. I thought he looked fantastic this weekend. He had a rocket ship. With, we're talking right foot swinger across the body, outside the laces, left to right spinner of the ball into the top right corner post. That ball had every business going in the net. Um, it's a shame it didn't. But it also led to one of the craziest plays of the weekend, which was two hits off the post in about 10 seconds for the Spurs. They should have scored there. It was, I think it was like the 33rd minute. But basically, Pedro Porro, rocket chip off the top crossbar, back into the box. Tottenham retains possession, gets it out to the wing. They hit a low cross in that gets deflected back into the post. And then United escapes. And I think that was a huge turning point of the game where United was lucky to get away and... Tottenham knew it and they pressed and they pressed and they pressed and they ended up getting a goal, which was great. But, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how Spurs replace Harry Kane. And it's nice to see people who aren't strikers attacking the ball and going in with, a, you know, the mentality of I can score this and shooting the ball from outside the 18. That's what they need. And, you know, if they can keep it up, it'll be a great season for Absolutely. them. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I think you're spot on there. Um, the other thing I uh, I just wanted to mention last, obviously, because I hate Man United, is uh, Lissandra Martinez scoring <laughs> an own goal to uh, to seal the that was awesome for, for Tottenham. Just made me smile because I, I maybe it's just the first two week blues with him because he struggled last year at the start of the season when he moved over from Ajax and then he you know asserted himself as a pretty solid center half. But we'll see if that's a trend that continues because he he did not look good in this game and and it was sealed off by that that final one. But uh. Moving on to the Seagulls, maybe the the most impressive team so far through two weeks, a four one victory over Wolves, and uh, we're talking about them. What probably every episode last year, we're going to talk about them again. Kyle, that man, Kairu Matoma. Uh I mean, absolute legend. I, I 
said it in our chat today, but that man is a stallion amongst miniature horses. That's what it looks like. That's <laughs> all I can say for him. He is the bright spot. I, I mean, Sean was filling me in today, but his goal was he dribbled through four players and he took the ball from not on his own half, but just past his own half. And he, yeah. he just outplayed the rest. The man is awesome. And then you, you fill in the gaps on Brighton with people like Sally March, who had two goals in four minutes. And there's not much stopping them. They lost a lot of players, but I think this is the Deserby effect. Yeah. Their manager is a top class, top tier. He's got a bright future. You keep an eye out for him in the international spectrum because that's where he deserves to be as well as a club manager. He just brings greatness to where he goes. And if, I mean, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but Brighton did the only business last year that was actually positive. And so there you go. They're coming in, coming in the top four, top six. They're top of the Premier League Nets right now. Bend, yeah. They're losing yeah. players, making money, and scoring four goals a game. So yeah, they're only one of three. They're one of three. It's right now. It's it's Man City, it's Brighton, and Arsenal who have both won both of their their two starting games. Which might obviously with the long long season, it might not seem like a lot, but it does help a lot with confidence and and keep that kind of positive nature going no i fully you know, it's agree very impressive i also think that on the wolves spectrum they're in a lot of trouble right now i mean they lost they lost neves to saudi arabia and they just lost nunez to a red card so they're in a lot of trouble like that's yeah. the bottom line they don't have that scary attack that they used to have where when the top three strikers on wolves would be going against the top three defenders I there was a time where I would get nervous for the defense. They were menacing. They were passing back and forth. They were ripping long shots. You don't see that anymore with Wolves. And I think this is it's not only a scary spot for them. They need to fight to stay in the Premier League this season. Yeah. Yeah. I I would agree. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. Yeah. I I think uh and not only do they do they have those losses? But you also have to keep in mind coming up in their three of their next, or sorry, four of their next six games are against Liverpool, Man City, Aston Villa, and Newcastle. So those are four really tough matchups. This game against Everton this weekend, I know it's game week three, and we don't want to get ahead of ourselves. There's a long season to go, but this this game could have serious implications by the time the season you know comes to an end in May. So keep Big an time. eye on that one this weekend. Um, but something that we just touched on, and uh, or I guess Kyle just touched on, that we should mention. How about we we, we dive into a little bit of talk about the Saudi Pro League? Oh, oh yeah, favorite league, <laughs> favorite. favorite league in the world. All right, <laughs> it's so, I mean it's if, crazy. If, if only they had a team called Al Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's one plane ticket that's a bit too expensive for me. I don't think I can make the hike over there. But one thing that must have been a fortune is I don't know if everyone has has seen it currently, but my God, Neymar Jr.'s intro into his club in the Saudi Pro League is one for the record books. They had a fleet of drones in the sky making all these graphics. They brought up his FIFA card. They brought up an actual portrait of a mating out made out of these freaking things. There was fireworks. There was fire going off. They're making this thing a spectacle. They're trying to show these players that you come here, you will be treated like gods. And they are. They're being exactly treated. They're being rewarded with private jets, private yachts, homes. I mean, these are just signing bonuses. 
something that the average American could only dream up up in, you know, Willy Wonka's chocolate factory in miniature sized <laughs> chocolates. I mean, it's absolutely insane. And we're losing massive names. And and when I say losing, I'm not going to miss these guys because they have gone. Because what the Premier League has done is brought such a high level, level of competitiveness, such a high level of public publicity that the next, you know, Angolo uh, Encante is going to be here before we know it. The next Neymar who never came over the Premier League is going to show up. So I have a lot of faith in the fact that the Premier League has already established itself. But, I mean, just to go down the li- the list here that we got, Conte left Chelsea on a free. Neves left Wolves on 55 million. Koulibaly left Chelsea for 17 million. Mendy, Chelsea for 16. Firmino, Liverpool for free. Tellez for Man- from Man U for four. Jordan Henderson, which was the shock one, I think, for all of us, was 12 million from Liverpool. Raheed Mahrez from Man City, 35. Alain Saint-Maximin from Newcastle, Newcastle undisclosed fee, which someone will have to answer me. What does it mean undisclosed? I mean, I know it's not publicized, but how do we figure that out? I want to know. And then the next one is Fabinho, Liverpool for 40 mil. Mitrovic, Fulham, 46 mil. And then Laporte uh, from Man City is rumored to be next. So, I mean, they already had Green Benzema, Neymar, Sadio Mane, just to name a few. And, of course, Ronaldo. So they are definitely getting a ton of large names to get over to them. It's only a matter of who and when is the next one to go, unfortunately. It'll be interesting to see what actually comes of it. If they are able to get into the Champions League with some jackpot lottery bid, I'm not sure what will develop there. Yeah, you know, James, that's... Yeah. uh, I was just thinking about what you said. It's a lot of decisions based on zero Arsenal players going over there. You know, you have a lot to say when three Liverpool players and two Man City players go. It affects all of us. But I don't think this really affects your team very much. I will leave it at that. That's how I'm going to leave it. Oh, it affects all of us. Okay. That's a a great thing to say. And yeah, as far as uh, Alan St. Maximan goes, I was reading his article today. All it tells me is that it was an undisclosed fee. You know, in the discussions regarding a move to another club, you know, this, that, the other thing, maybe he doesn't want to disclose it, but it will become public knowledge eventually because it has to, because these are, you know, bookings for their financial departments that have to come out for financial fair play. So we should get an absolute number for Maximan, but yeah, who knows? No, no. So my just what I wanted to say was that the public investment fund, which is like the southern the sovereign wealth fund of the Saudi royal family, they also own Newcastle. So they they took control of four teams in the Saudi Pro League. For those just you know catch all of our listeners up to speed who may not know, they perch or now took control of four teams: Al Nassar, Al Halal, Al Ali, and Al Etihad. And then all those teams basically raided the twelve players we mentioned. I think uh, only Henderson went somewhere else to Al Etifaki. But basically, the owners of Newcastle and the owners of the team that St. Maximan went to is the same people. So potentially they're trying to do something shady and hide the fee. I'm not entirely sure what's going on there. But um, like Kyle mentioned, obviously next year we'll have an idea when the accounting books get released for all the teams. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break after talking about that. And we're going to hop into the look ahead and, uh, and wrap things up. Well, well, gents, we have a lot of stuff going on. One, again, 
my headphones or my audio was not working for the last five minutes of that previous segment. So everyone out there listening to my, at the moment, non-so angelic voice, I do apologize on behalf of your ears. On the second point, next time, Kyle, that you have a, a dinner party at your house or something that's going on, dude, I expect a full invite, bro. You got the Hampton Hills right there. Your background looks gorgeous. Sean and I are sitting in the dark, and this guy's got a beautiful golden hour sunset behind him. I just I didn't realize we weren't that close. I would have invited someone else to do the podcast, but thank you. I appreciate hey, this. We're all clear. <laughs> James and Sean have been denying my request for months now. All right. They, that's just how it is. <laughs> It's all good, but getting into the last segment here, we're trying to keep our you know podcast a little bit shorter for you guys now. We're going to get into the preview for next week, and there's a ton of games, obviously. Everyone's playing. Not too many of, our, of the marquee matchups, but the one to highlight, and I feel like we've been highlighting them every week now, especially from the start of the season to last week or this previous weekend, is Newcastle. So Newcastle is home against Liverpool this weekend. Out of the last 24 matches that they have gone head-to-head with, Newcastle has won four, they have drawn six, and Liverpool has won 14. So this is a big game for Newcastle. I think it's a massive swing in the right direction for them being at St. James Park for this weekend on Sunday. So I think that will help them out a lot, maybe recover from a rather depressing and boring 1-0 loss against Man City over this weekend. Newcastle, if they play a St. James Park against anyone like they played against Aston Villa, the energy will be extremely high. It will be a very forward-thinking, aggressive game. I would expect multiple goals from Newcastle on this game as well, with Liverpool still trying to figure out their defensive line and the center of the field, especially with McAllister now out on that red card, as we talked about previously. So there's some work that Liverpool is going to have to do. And with a very, very strong back line that Newcastle is, personally, I would put my hedge towards Newcastle, especially since it's home. But I'm interested to see what you say, Sean. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't disagree with you more. 180 minutes last year between <laughs> Newcastle and Liverpool. Newcastle oh, man, goals. James. Yeah. What have you done? Test. Take that in your pipe well, and when did, it. Did, did Isaac Only play in any of those games? Yeah, he, scored, he played in both games. Sorry. He, he played, played in both games. His debut was actually at at Anfield last year, and he scored. You're right, and he scored on, on an offside. So that it's a new thing. They don't count those. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, obviously it's going to be a tough one with, especially if McAllister is ruled out. Liverpool are appealing that very, very soft. I mean, Charmin ultra soft, no bleeding type type red card it was um, it was bad that the, they called on McAllister but um it'll be interesting to see what the midfield looks like if he is not fit or rather if he is not available because they have Tiago and Bajetic coming back to fitness but they haven't played yet this season Curtis Jones was hurt so it could be ugly yeah no I, I actually do agree with you I think Newcastle could definitely win this game um but I always always gonna back my boys um but I I, I definitely you know of course to your point Liverpool still trying to figure out their midfield situation. We saw Endo's debut, uh, signed from Stuttgart. He he looks pretty solid, but um, you know, obviously, it's a different animal when you're going against Tenali and uh, Bruno Guimaraes. So we'll take a look on that one. That's definitely the game of the week. Yeah. But um, as the best at lock of the weeks last year, um, not to toot my own horn, but I did finish with four wins to two losses. <laughs> Kyle, I won't even mention your record. It was hey, so hey, listen, 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 abysmal, listen, abysmal. 
yeah, that's all a good I, word for it. One in five. I will mention the record. <laughs> all I'm going to say is nobody should bet against Newcastle. That's that's it. Yeah, that's fair. I agree with that. Yeah, um, I, mean, I was I, I was looking at their last season, man. They let up 33 goals last year. Yeah, that's I've been it. only saying it for that's an team entire team season and then, with a podcast. But here's the thing. <laughs> here's the thing about it. Like, look, we all knew that Man City also let up 33. But to let up so few goals, and they only had five teams outscore them. And those five teams were the high scorers. You know, Liverpool, Arsenal, Man City, Tottenham, and I think Brighton. So you have a very high-scoring team, and you have one of, if not the best defense in the Premier League right now because – Man City lost a few players, and Newcastle's defense looks rock solid. They let up one goal. If you guys watch this weekend, the goal that Scott scored on Newcastle from Man City was a worldie. I mean, it was a beautiful shot into the top left corner. So you take that one yeah, shot away, yeah. and that was a freak shot. It was a crossbody. The goal was world class. Other than that, they held Man City at home the entire game. There are yeah. no one to, to sleep yeah. on this year. They 100%. should be a top four team all year long, yep. in my opinion. Yep. So watch Agreed. out for them. Yeah, and Agreed. and we talked about it last week, about or I guess rather yesterday, um, about how like the top five teams basically can make the Champions League depending on their performance in European competition this year. But I expect Newcastle to be one of those five teams, no doubt. Not to spoil our um, our pre our season preview, but yeah, I'm going to have them in my top five for sure. Um, Another team who'll be knocking yeah. on that door is my lock of the week, the Brighton Seagulls. I have them beating West Ham at home. They scored four goals in each of their first two games, and they're playing a West Ham team that will be without their starting center back, Nyefa Gerd, as we mentioned earlier, was sent off with two two yellow cards yeah. um, and a goal, the Gordie Howe hat trick of, of soccer. But he's going to be missing this weekend. I'm going to take the Seagulls to win. Um and I, I think uh, we'll see Matoma again involved in, in a goal contribution. At least one. And, Sean, to keep your, your Brighton Seagulls four goals in the last two games, they've, I think they scored five in the first one, four in the last one. The last time they played West Ham, they won 4 nothing. So if I know anything, pick. everything good in life comes in fours, I guess, <laughs> now for this for this. Now, season. I don't want to dog – Brighton, and I'm not I'm not jinxing them at all. But did anyone else hear the rumors of Matoma possibly coming to Man City? I think only you really want. Listen, that to no, no, no. I really you, want but... that to happen. That man is world class. But I can't be the only one who heard the rumors, right? No, it's out there. It's out there. It's out all there right. For so sure. if it's out there, mm-hmm. people are talking about it. Matoma understands he can come to a team and win the trophy this year. It should happen. That's what we're talking about. Good stuff. Well, you got to make it happen in in 14 days, right? Yeah. Also, I want to be clear. Brighton, September 1st. Brighton's good enough to take home the trophy this year. It's it's going to be a hell of a season, everyone. I'm very excited. It's just going to be their depth, but I agree. Well, Sean, with your lock of the week, which is the Brighton is currently obviously favorited. Um, it's not a bad lock. You can still win some money. You're going to have to put a bit down for it, but I think it's an extremely solid lock. And with that, it kind of starts our EPL State of Mind Season 2. It kind of gives it to a good wrap for the episode as well because now everyone can go home and place their next paycheck on it. And if they lose, I did hear that Sean would do full reimbursements in hugs and kisses. And it would be <laughs> well worth it for all of you out there. I'm an elite hugger. Elite hugger. I'm like the, the Lionel Messi of hugs. So, so. I think on that note, we can kind of end it there. And uh, 
stay tuned obviously for the for the next batch of previews and then uh also we'll we'll be back next week to go through you know the fixtures that we talk about and and anything else that stands out but james you want to wrap us up that's it boys first episode with the trio done episode two coming at you next week sean and i do have the next kind of eight and or 12 uh, teams to wrap up on Sunday next week, our kind of preview that we were talking about that will come out then. And again, if you have not already given us that follow and Instagram like, and, or, you know, a friend request, I don't know what people do these days, Facebook, we don't have it. We're not on there anymore. But if you guys give us that follow and request, we will definitely do the courtesy of giving you one back and looking forward to getting everyone involved with the podcast for season two. But until next time, we'll see you then. 